Good evening, and sorry for the slight delay. We just had a special series session of, of Tfilis in uh, memory of the 45 tragic losses from Lagbeimer in Miron and for Rafua, for those who are uh, who need a Rafua Schleimer. I think we can, I'd, I'd like you to join me in saying Kapitel Chof, and then we'll start this year. Kapitel Chof, and put in Tzedakah, and then we'll start this year. Namaseach, Mizbiru David Yaan, Chor Adin Leibiyayim Tzoro Yosagev, Chor Shem Elohei Yaakov, Yishlach Ezra Chomik Kodesh, Omitziyoin Yosadecho, Yizker Kol Minchai Secho, Vilosecho, Yedash Neselo, Yitem Lecho Kilvo Vecho, Vatsos Choyimalei, Meranen Rabbi Shua Secho, Vashem Eliheinu Nidgeli Malei, Adinoi Kol Mishalei Secho, Ata Yodati Ki Hishi, Adinoi Meshichoi, Yaneu Mishmei Kodshoi, Bihurais Yeshi Eminoi, Eile Vorecher Veile Vasusim Anachnu, Vashem Adinoi Eliheinu Nazkir, Heim Okoru Venofolu Vanachnu, Kamnu Vanis Eidod, Adinoi Hishi, Ohamelech Yaneinu Yem Kodeinu. Okay, right, let's go on to our, our Shia, and uh, for the, for, this is a couple of points came up, came up from last week's um, Shia, talked about rounding off the corner of the blankets, and how uh, there was this little story from the Rebbe Rashab, how when he had a haircut, he would cut off the, tear off the corner of the sheets that you shouldn't uh, have a problem of, of tzitzis. So someone who, the person who originally asked the question asked for more details about this, exactly how strong the curve has to be in order to exempt from tzitzis. So just for the, the Enklach like to see pictures. So there you have a picture. Now this is taking a, a square uh, blanket and rounded off a corner that certainly is well um, beyond the shear. Certainly that would be adequate to make it a, called a round garment, a round corner, sorry. But let's come back to a bit more technical detail. And this is from um, the Sefer from Reb Naftali, Reb Yechen and Gerari, sorry. Yechen and Gerari put out a Sefer of one of many called Halocha Tzitzis Halocha Lamaisa. And we have here a shear of a beged, which is three by three etzboys, three by three finger breadth. And so the idea here is that if the curve is, with, is, is, is smaller than six centimeters, which is, and, and etzba is two centimeters. So three, cent, three etzboys is six centimeters. So if you look at the diagrams, so diagram number one, is saying that because it's the curve is less than uh, the six centimeters from the corner, therefore that would still be called a square. And then if the curve is, as you see, number, diagram number three or number two for that matter, if the curve is kind of stretching beyond six centimeters, that would be curve enough to uh, to exempt the garment from tzitzis. That's are those poskim who say even a much smaller 
curve is enough, but this is the uh, general, so what, what I advise the person is to take a CD, uh, if they still exist, forget from Fernandic Teak Shop, take a CD and put it at the corner and, and use that as a template. And that would be uh, kind of the uh, shear that, if it's that degree of curve, it's considered um, rounded corner. Now, one of our listeners uh, who listens to the recording, Mayor Zirkin, and um, I've mentioned his name before. So he, he picked up on the story where I had told over about the Rebbe Rashab with the, with the haircutting. And the Friedrich Rebbe says he would sometimes give his father a haircut. So he says it's a very interesting point because there is discussion in Poskim whether it's appropriate for a son to give his father a haircut. So now, um, the, the first quote that you have on the top of the page is from a sefer called Das Zkenim, sorry, Moishav Zkenim, which is from the Rishonim, and it's in Parashas Gedoshim, and it has there, Eloshin, Velochein Asu Leven Lesape Leoviv. It's forbidden for a son to give his father a haircut. Shema Yiftza Oisa, in case he would cause him a wound. The fact that the father is forgiving, that doesn't take away from the, uh, the Avera of causing a wound to a, to a parent, to a father or mother. So, they, so we see already in Rishonim, there is a hesitation about giving a haircut to a parent. Now, having said that, when we look in, I have one of these uh, encyclopedias on Kibbut Avraim, it's a sefer, Utsu Kibbut Avraim, this is the second quote, very good sefer, and he writes that you are allowed to give a father a haircut, um, and you don't have to worry about causing a wound, and basically it seems to be, it depends what you're using. In if six, seven hundred years ago, the likelihood was that they would be using a, a razor, and therefore using a razor, a slight uh, mistake can cause a cut, and that would be an avera. Whereas, in uh, in if you're using a clippers, even though they didn't use electric clippers a hundred years ago, but it could have been a hand clippers. If it's a kind of a safe instrument, then they wouldn't need to hesitate about giving a father a haircut. The um, Reb Meir, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I think the word in English is chuffed. Someone like Talmud Chacham, like him, is, is giving the time to listen to uh, this year, and uh, you'll see why I'm so impressed. We, we also had last week a discussion about a, a, a tub of dates that a fellow, this is actually a fellow, he's a shliach somewhere in Germany, and he'd bought a tub of Israeli dates and he wanted to give it to a non-Jewish uh, acquaintance. And the issue is that Meiser hasn't been taken, and are you allowed to give when when trumas and maestros haven't been taken off a pro produce? The term in halach is called tevel. So, are you allowed to give tevel to a non-Jew? Uh, and then the conclusion was that it's it's not allowed. So, I'm just showing you from his email, and he says that he's that uh, this question of hanor shul kilui, when it's a a, a a benefit in a way that it's consumed. So he tells me that there's a Tosfus in Shabbos and where it says that <coughs> whether it's Tevel Tohar or Tevel Tome, it's not allowed. And then there's a Tosfus in Brochus which says 
that you're not allowed to give a goy tevel, and he gives me a reference to a the Atsi Levoina, which is a commentary on the margin of the Shukhan Aruch and Shin Lamad Aleph in Yeradea. He tells me exactly the page where it is, and it says that you're not allowed to um, give tevel to an non-Jew because there's no greater kilui than it being eaten by a, a non-Jew. At any rate, I'm not going to go in the Lomdus. I just wanted to share with you. There's a Gaman sitting out somewhere in Florida, and Kanaina uh, Hora. Really, it's uh, very impressive what he comes up and, and shares with us. Okay, let's go on to a practical thing. Someone asks a Shaila that um, he's needs to download a very large program and it can take those going into it will know that sometimes it can many many hours if it's a very big program and so he's thinking can he set this up in motion on ed of shabbos and then the downloading continues over shabbos and lots of shabbos it's all done is that okay and his worry was because of what he's seen in hilchus yom kippur so we're going to look at the hilchus yom kippur and then we we'll look at hilchus shabbos so on the right of your page you have here, <coughs> sorry, Simon Tofresh Tess in Hilchus Shem Kippur. It says, some say you're not allowed to put, uh, like normally for Shabbos, you're allowed to insulate hot water. They should have hot water for Shabbos. Some object to the uh, hatmona, insulating of hot water for on Erev Yom Kippur for, to be ready for Motzi Yom Kippur because the header to do insulate uh, hot food is for covered Shabbos. But here it's for Motsi Yom Kippur, that, that heter shouldn't apply. That's... Then the second opinion says that Yesh Matirin, there are those who allow you to insulate hot food on Erev Yom Kippur to be ready and because you're basically preparing on a weekday for a weekday, which is not a problem. Even though it's sitting on the stove over Yom Kippur, that's not called that Yom Kippur is preparing because you're not doing anything physically on Yom Kippur. It's happening by itself. The halacha is like the latter svara, that you are allowed to. But the custom is to follow the stricter opinion and not to put up hot water on Erev Yom Kippur to have hot water for Motsu Yom Kippur. On that basis, if you wouldn't be allowed to leave food to be warming over Yom Kippur for Motsu Yom Kippur, then um, what, what about this computer program being downloaded over Yom Kippur? So the, the, we'll, we'll see the halacha in, in the principle clearly why it's mutter. And then that would relieve the question, why then on Yom Kippur is there the Khumra? Possibly because the, the, in addition to the happening of a Malacha by itself, there's also the concern that you might come to, to there's always, you know, anyone who's learned the Gemara Shabbos at the beginning, you know, in the second period, third period, talking all about worrying about Shem Yechati, you might come to adjust it, might come to stoke it, add, 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 add some, some, some coals, etc. So keeping food warm may be more fraught, more, more worrying. And therefore, it's only allowed for Shabbos and not for, um, for Motsu Yom Kippur. But just an automated uh, job happening on Shabbos is not a problem. And this we see clearly in Simon Reishnun base. And we have here... Sif Aleph says you're allowed to start a malocha on Erev Shabbos. 
close to nightfall, even though it won't be finished, it won't be finished before Shabbos begins. It will continue to happen on Shabbos. For example, to put um, ink and other herbs into water and it will have to soak and then it will develop to an ink. Or he has another example to put barley into a barrel and it's going to be soaking the whole of Shabbos. Then he says another example of putting incense on the clothing that they should be impregnated with the fragrance over Shabbos. Um, and so it's very clear that even though it's going to go the whole Shabbos, it's still allowed. And that's the same thing over here. And so that's the Mishnah, um, which talks about water, poiskin maim legino, about diverting water to a garden, and this water is coming a whole, a whole Shabbos. I think today in Israel, using sprinklers on time switches, that's not so straightforward, um, because possibly because of the um, possibly you know of, of uh, coming to adjust things, but in principle. Um, a automated process which is initiated before Shabbos isn't a problem. Let's move on to the next question. Ah. So, over Shabbos, we had this discussion at home that there's a custom of people when they make hamoitzi from a whole loaf, so they cut off a tip. What's the reason for this? So we've got here a couple of sources. One is the Sefer Mili de Chassidusa. Um, then we have it from the Yaris Dvash and Sefer Hamin Hogim. Now the Sefer Hamin Hogim is many of us are familiar with and many of us received it as a bar mitzvah present possibly. Tam de Yesh, that's the, the Rashi writing in the middle. Tam de Yesh Levorech, Al Hecha de Kodim Bishula de Pas Hamritzi. Ah, sorry, I, I, I missed, I'm, I'm, I'm misquoting it. What he's saying here is why is it the mitzvah to make the broche on the edge of the bread? Because that's where the chitsoinim, they kind of gather there. And therefore, one should make a brocha to counter the chitzoinim. We're going to discuss this. He quotes the Yaris Dvash, and the upper two columns are from the Yaris Dvash. Um, Yaris Dvash was written by Yerbjönesson Eibeschutz, who was uh, a contemporary of the Balshamtuf. He was a rob in Prague. Um, so we're going to read his words in a moment. Just Let's just read the bottom two lines from the Sefer Mila um, de Chassidusa. And this is a commentary of the Bechotcherov, which I mentioned a few times about the Bechotcherov. He was um, he was a Talmud of the he was he was niskar of Tuchsidus by the Baditshava. Um, so he writes Umash, and then he's got a commentary here on the Savos of Yehuda Chosid. Savos of Yehuda Chosid is lots of these interesting Sgulus things, and he writes Umash noyagin kol why is it customary not to eat the entire piece of Amoitzi, to leave a little bit? He quotes the Apostle, 
Ein sorid l'ochloi al kein lo yochil tuvoi. If he leaves nothing at all, that's not going to give him good goodness and strength. That's the posuk in If he doesn't say, he's understood this posuk to say, if you eat and you leave nothing at all, then that's asking for trouble. But by leaving a little bit, that's going to bring uh, bring goodness. So that's that's the that's the bechotcherov. Now let's go to the Yarist Vash and Bahashgocha Protis. Just the other day, I, I think it was Sunday, I was listening to the En Yaakov Shir given by Rebbe Ephraim Potash in our shul. And he was excited, learning this piece of Gomorrah in Sanhedrin. So I'm going to go through the, the Gomorrah in Sanhedrin. So the, that's on the first column, the second line. This is the Gomorrah Sanhedrin, Daf Kuf Beis on the base. And Rav Ashi, the last generation of the Gemara, he said to his Talmudim, tomorrow we're going to deal with tomorrow we're going to deal with our good friends, our colleagues, our mates. And what he, was, he, what he meant was he was going to talk about those people who are listed as heretics, who are and they've got no portion in an Elam Habo, etc. That's the Chalik in, in the Sanhedrin. And particularly, he had in mind Menashe. Menashe was a son of Chizkiyom Melch Yehuda, and he was uh, very much into idol worship. And although there is an opinion that he did shuva, but meanwhile, Rav Ashi spoke in a quite a disparaging way. Tomorrow, we all you know kind of roll up our sleeves up, and we're going to deal with our our uh, good friends. Also, Menashe bechelme. So Menashe Melech Melech Yehuda comes that night to Rav Ashi in his dream. You call me your mate? You call me your father's friend? You know what you're talking about? You are Talmud Chochem. This is how Menashe is challenging Rav Ashi in his dream. In other words, he's saying, you don't come to my, to my, to my ankles. In, in Londis, and you're you're talking to me about my you're my mate, and to challenge Rav Ashi, Menashe asks him in the dream, When you have a loaf of bread, where do you make hamotzi from? Where where do you break off the piece for hamotzi? And in his dream, Rav Ashi says, And so he says, I don't know. I don't know which, which side of the loaf you're meant to break the bread, break off. And so Manashe says, Aha, the boys loigamiris. From where you're meant to break off when you say hamoitsi, that you don't know. And you're calling me, I'm your mate. You don't even know such a basic thing. And you're calling me that I'm your friend and your colleague. No, in the dream. So if Ashi says to to Menashe, and he says, Agamirili, teach it to me, teach me the halacha, tomorrow I will give it over in the shir, and I will say the whole, our whole conversation, and I'll tell over the Talmudim. And so, okay, so Menashe, uh, in the dream, he tells him, from where it starts 
cooking, where the where the the, the uh, baking, where it bakes the first part, where it bakes, that's the part where the brocha should be. That when you make a brocha, that's where you should break off. No, and so there are, this is this is the Gemara. Now the Yevonis uh, Ibershitz, the Aris Dvash, starts discussing this. What was this conversation? Are you my mate or my, 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 my teacher? And what's it got to do with the Hamoitzi? The whole thing is. And he says, what's, what's going on here? What's, and, and, and why is it significant where you break the bread off? So I, I'm, I'm just, just cut out a few little a few pieces which are crucial to our discussion. So second call, top of the page. He says something that everything has, has got a certain degree of poison in it. And to get rid of that poison, that you need to have fire. And so it's the, the baking or the cooking of the food that gets rid of the poison in the food. And skip a bit. With this, you'll understand why we say Hamoitzi on where it starts the baking. The part which bakes sooner. And then it's, it's got less poison in it, less nochosh presence. And if there was some kind of poison in the in the food, it's this it's run away from here sooner. And therefore it's deserving of a bracha. Because take as soon as the evil is driven out, so then that's when the Kedusha has a chance to um, to take hold. So the crust where the Sitra Akhra was driven away sooner, therefore it has a greater presence of Kedusha. And and that's he explains why one should break a broche uh, on the edge. So all of this seems to be just the opposite of our whole discussion till now uh, about cutting off the little tip. So the the again, the Tami Hamin Hogim has explained in short why when we break off. So what that means in practically, if you have a, a slice of bread. And you made bracha You have an open piece of bread. Instead of breaking off from, from the soft area, you break off from the crust. That's what the halacha is, from which we said from this gemara. And that's because we've said we've been told that the the heat of the oven is driving away the sitra achra and nochosh, and so the part which is near the edge has got more bracha. But if that's the case. Then becomes the question just the opposite. Then. So why are we taking the tip of the bread and discarding it? And that's that's that seems to be an open question. Um, I'm just going to suggest when we we wake up in the morning, we wash negelvasa. The reason why we wash negelvasa and why it's called negelvasa, which means washing the nails, the water for the nails is because when we are sleeping, so there's a ruach hatuma, there's a spirit of impurity, because there's a vacuum of Kedusha, and where there's a vacuum of Kedusha, that's where the tuma um, comes and, and resides. When we wake up in the morning, 
So then the, the Kedusha kind of re reoccupies the body. And then you have, the, 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 and, and the tumor goes away. Where does it go away? It goes away through the nails. And that's why the nails kind of retain a bit of impurity. And that's the washing of the Negevas. Possibly on the one hand, yes, the fire is kind of getting rid of the, the Sitra Akhra, but the edge possibly may also where, be where the avenue where all the rest of the uh, is going out. And perhaps that's why we are disc discarding the edge. At any rate, we do have, it's brought down in numerous for him. There is this minhik of, of a tiny little bit leaving. And it also reminds me in the story in the, in the Medrash, in the introduction for Eicho, where it says about the Chochmah of the people of Yerushalayim, and where someone came as a guest and he finished every single last drop of the food. And the next day, the uh, person, the host or hostess, put in a lot of salt. And then the person couldn't eat it. He said, well, you know, you should, if you wouldn't, well, they asked well, the hostess, why is he not eating it all? So he says, it's too salty. He said, well, if you would have been a mensch and not finished the last drop yesterday, then you would have had plenty to eat today. So there seems to be some kind of edelkeit, some refinement of not having the very last bit. And that thing, I think, is what the um, Eishel Avram, or what the Bochotcherov is saying, that you've eaten mamish, you haven't left a drop. That's not a good hanhaga. You, you and you leave a little, a little bit over. I think that's what he's saying. Someone is putting on the chat a separate question. At a certain age, one wakes up a few times. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> um, does one say moida ani each time? I don't think so. I, 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 my understanding is you only even negelvasa is only when you get up to stay up uh, properly, but if you're getting up just to deal with things that you can't do through a shliach and then uh, go, go back to bed, I don't think you have to wash Negelwasser. Um, and, and the same thing with Ani, you'd wait till you get up to stay up. Let's move on. Okay, so now I got a call on bank holiday. It was one of these, uh, it was about 10.30, one of these uh, late minyonim, and the question was, what's the minimum of people who haven't heard Kriya Satoira to make up a minion to be allowed to do Kriya Satoira? So there are various opinions about this, and what you have in front of you is a quote from the Mishnah Brura, as you can see, at Bir Halacha, where he quotes, he quotes the Chayi Odom, who says, I'm not sure if there are people who haven't Kriya Satoira, whether if there are only a few people who haven't heard Kriya Satoira, can you do Kriya Satoira for them? Or do you need to have all 10 to make up a minion to be able to do Kriya Satoira? And the Herani Godel Echod says the Mishtabura that it's a ran in Megillah, in the Sugya, where it talks about Megillah Bismano that when you Megillah, there's a, a very interesting halacha that it can be read a couple of days in advance, but that's only with a tzibur. Beyochid, it can be read only bismano. So in that round, there's a comment just in passing where he says that if you have a roiv, that's okay. So the Mishnabur is arguing with the Chayyodom 
Hayyodim was suggesting that to be able to have a Kriya Satoira, you'd have to have 10 who haven't heard Kriya Satoira. And the Mishnabura uh, says, no, so long as you have Roiv, that's good enough. So that's the Mishnabura, that you have to have Roiv. Then there is a, th this Mishnabura is quoted by Reb Chaim Noe in Ksosashulchan, in Simon Chofhei, and he says also, if you have six who haven't heard Kriya Satoira. Now, having said that, there are those who say that even if you have three who haven't heard Kriya Satoira, and there's one who says that even if all have heard Kriya Satoira, but if it's during davening, so because Kriya Satoira is part of the Seder Hatzfila, therefore you can do Kriya Satoira again. And that, to give you the exact quote, is a Sefer called Torah Yukusiel. It's a Charles Chuvis, relatively recent one from pre-war, but re relatively recent. And in Simon Nun Aleph, he says this. Now, what I've seen, what we've been, the general meaning which I've seen is that one would require six, like the Mishnebura, like the Texas Hashulchan. And now, the argument that because it's in Seder Kriyas HaTorah, Sorry, it's because it's during davening. Therefore, they've got special dispensation that you can do a Kriyas HaTorah even without the quorum of people who haven't heard. That's all very well. Perhaps people who would only do Kriyas HaTorah during davening. <clears throat> but I know that in Chabad, this is really not an issue. We have, you, I remember the Guta Zeitin in 770 uh, would be at 8 o'clock, there'd be a minion for Kriyas HaTorah and there'd be a minyonim before and after. They, people were not so particular to hear Kriya Satoya Dafka during the Seder Hatfila. And therefore, to say that Kriya Satoya is part of Seder Hatfila, I think in Lubavitch we see it as a standalone, and therefore I don't see that as a redeeming factor. However, th there is another uh, piece which I'd like to think about more, and I see it is brought in the discussion here. There is a note in Sefer Hamin Hogim about how many people you need for on a fast day to be able to do Kriya Satoira. How many fasters, is that an English word? How many fasters or how many people fasting do you need to be able to do Kriya Satoira on a fast day? And there's a quote there from the Tzimach Tzedek and he says, if there's three fasting. Now, this letter of the Tzimach Tzedek was written to his son, Rebisrol Noyach, Marin, who was the Rovin Yezhen, and it was a time when there was an epidemic there of cholera. And the father tells the son, I don't, I'm instructed you, you mustn't fast, etc., because it looks like people were more vulnerable to the, to the, to the, to the plague if they were uh, undernourished. In that context, the Tzemachsedek says, if there's as far as Lein Vayachal, he says, if there's three who are fasting, that there's seven who have eaten less than a shear. So I'm not sure whether, so someone to say, aha, you see by a fast day, so long as three are fasting, that's good enough. But possibly the fact that the others are also fasting to a degree, they've eaten pochus mikashir, that may also make all the difference. But as I say, the general custom which I've seen is that one would be looking for, for six people who haven't heard Kriya Satoira, regardless whether it's during a minion or not. Although, as I say, there are those who are more lenient on that.
Someone's asking here again on the chat, what if I wake up at night and want to have a drink of water and go back to sleep? What should I do? Moida'ani negolvasa. Um, I still don't think you have to say moida'ani, but in order to make a bracha, lecheri, you have to wash, wash your hands. If not negolvasa, but you should wash your hands a little bit before saying a bracha. The same thing, of course, if you go to the toilet in the middle of the night, so you, you, of course you have to wash your hands, not necessarily negovasa, but at least you'll wash your hands to be able to, because you've you know, touched mukhaimas and mukhusim, etc. So you'd have to wash your hands before uh, saying the bracha shiyotza. Let's move on. Okay. So I got an email at the beginning of the week about saying I, that someone writes to me, he heard in the name of Meshver, that it's an appropriate thing to say Yizkeh for the Rebbe. And the person was, he says, he's a, in person, he'd never heard it from anywhere else. And he was of two minds, whether to say whether it is appropriate or not. It's something that, that there are words in the Yizkeh which are saying that they, they should have an easy, rest, a restful time. And perhaps a Chossi doesn't feel that way to the Rebbe, that's how I'm reading into his question. At any rate, but uh, yes, this is a quote from um, from the Rebbe, from a Sikha, and this is in Teres Menachem, volume Memvov, page 343, and the Rebbe says the following, that saying Yizkir is also appropriate for such neshamis which don't need an atonement. Kiyadua minagachsidim lahazkir it's known the Minig of Chsidim to mention the Ferdika Rebbe, his father-in-law. And also the previous Rabbeim, those who, the Rebbe's, who you were familiar with, who you, who you met, it would be appropriate to say Yizker. Kach, and he says the following, so the Rebbe doesn't need your Yizker, he's, he's, he's doing fine. Kach, the benefit is for the one who's saying Yizker. That saying Yizker is a benefit for the sayer of Yizker. So that's the first point which the Rebbe is saying here. Then the Rebbe adds, Saying Yizker is a benefit for the Chosid. I must say it also is adding energy for the one for whom you're saying Yizker. So you're giving koyach to the Rebbe by saying Yizker. And what is Yizker? Yizker is, of course, short filler. It's also giving tzedakah. Crucial to the, um, to the Yizker is the bavushin. Nodav or Nodav, whatever the lotion is, but to give tzedakah in, in, in the merit of the one whom you're saying Yizker for. And, and that's very, very important to remember to pay your Yizker money right after Yom Tov. Um, I see you're saying uh, um, someone is pointing out that Rabbi Shneibagalavashalom said in davening it's enough to have three to lame. So all right, so he's relying on on the Torah you can seal. That's not the meaning which I've seen in Chabad. So, and I think that the knowing the Alter Rebbe's shita. In Siddur, to be machmim me'oid besofik bracha and filo besvek speaker. So in Chabad, there's perhaps a greater uh, 
perhaps the word anxiety may be a, a strong word, but there's a greater concern and not, not saying a bracha where there might be a bracha batola. Um, okay, now I want to just share with you now about a bit more about Yisker. And that is, first of all, that in many communities, and this I've seen in Sforim, that they would, at Yisker, they would say Yisker for the previous Rabbonin. So, and, 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 and people would say Yisker for their Rebbes. This seems to be a very common thing. You see in others for him, uh, people would say Yisker for, for, for Rebbes and Rabbonin, um, you know, whom they owe. Okay, now what I'm showing you here now is someone asked me this morning, he saw the, the agenda for today's Shia, and he asked if I could address about saying Yisker for other relatives, not for a parent. So primarily Yisker is for uh, a father and mother, that's the primary Yisker, but you take a look in other Sidurim, there's many more examples of Yisker. Now on the left of your screen, this is the, uh, a, a copy from the Sidur Seidur Avoido, which was published in Vilna 110 years ago. Around 1944, when the Merkez Lenyon had set up schools in America and they needed to have a nice, attractive Siddha, an easy Siddha, and the Torah Ur Siddha was not suitable. It's, it's good for Tamir Chachomim who know how to flip the pages back and forth. Then the Rastova Siddha is good if you have a magnifying glass. So then they needed to have a, a, a good Siddha and pleasant to read. And they chose, at the time, they chose this Siddha, Seder Avoida, which is, as I say, was printed in Vilna. It's a beautiful, the graphics are very nicely done. It's a Siddha of Knusach Harizal. But it was then, it was uh, uh, modified according to our, in other words, uh, the printer printed Knusach Harizal, but there were things which needed to be modified. So what you're seeing here is, on the left of your of your screen, <clears throat> it says here about saying a yizker for other other relatives, grandfather parents and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters, etc., and saying yizker for them. And the first the first yizker, in other words, the, the second yizker on the, which you see on the page, is talking about the ones who had passed away uh, in a natural form. And the latter, last Yisko on the page, is what those who had been killed, uh, murdered, etc. Al-Kiddush Hashem. So we've got these Yiskos, which were there in that Siddur. And when Kohos, when Chabad printed over that very same Siddur, so those pieces were taken out. Which just tells me that in Minik Chabad, Yisker is primarily for Oviv And as I said, Rabbi also, which you'll, you'll put in the Rebbe's name, uh, when you'd say Yisker for the Rebbe. Um, before going further, you also see the Kale Moli Rachamim, which was said in, in, in that Minhik, and it's a, in a general Minhik, they do say Kale Moli Rachamim. Is that right, Rebendel? Saying that Kale Moli Rachamim is part of the Yisker process, uh, procedure, whatever, and then the Mishabeirach, after which Alva Rachamim. In the Kahosida, those are taken out. Um, what I would say is the following. If there is a someone, a relative, who didn't leave any children, who would say, or there's no one else saying Yizka for them, 
then I think it would be appropriate to say Yuzker for them. Whereas if it's a, uh, a relative who did leave children, and so then it'd be less, less of a, a need that's called for to be saying Yisker for them. Now, the, in, now, I'm comparing, I didn't put on the screen, it, by Yisker in the Torah Urshid, it has just for Oviv Imoy, it has just those two Yiskers, doesn't have the rest, as, as I just mentioned. And then about Ovarachamim. So Rabbi Grono Olvashomim asked the Rebbe once, does someone who has parents say Ovarachamim? And the Rebbe kind of affirmed that yes. Now this is very interesting. The Ovarachamim, which is appear, appears here, is not in the Siddur Torah. So if you're using Torah Siddur, you don't know about saying Ovarachamim, and certainly if you didn't say Yizka, you wouldn't know about it. When Kohos printed the Siddur, they included Ovarachamim, as, as I said, Ovarachamim is said even the children who go out, those, the people who go out, people who have parents, they go out, should still be saying Ovarachamim um, at the time of Yizka. Let's now just take a look at some of the questions which have come in. Someone is asking, from related to last week, why would you want to wear Apostle Talus covered Hatsibur? Surely there's no mitzvah from last week. On Shabbos, you're on our onus. You can't make knots for tzitzis. So listen, it's, this is a written, you can take a look at this, this haloch in Shechon Aruch and Simon Yud Gimel, where it says if a person is embarrassed, it could be there's a person is embarrassed and there's only the only talus available is Apostle Talus. As it says in Shechon Aruch, he's allowed to put it on. That's the haloch. Because he can't, because he can't do the mitzvah of putting in the tzitzis. So um, someone's asking people that go out, would they say Yizke for the Rebbe? I don't think so. I think it's once you're, you shouldn't ever need to say Yizke, Rebbe Zalman, but people who are already saying Yizke will say Yizke for the Rebbe. That's probably the reason why the Bochrim are not so familiar with this, because most Bochrim don't say Yizke. Um, someone's asking, what if the deceased has children, but you don't know that they're saying Yizka? Okay, all right, so you know, there's, no, there's no harm in saying Yizka. I'm just saying as a, as a standard uh, thing, it's, it's not a standard thing. Doesn't, someone's asking, doesn't it say that Ovarachimim is optional? Yeah, but it seems to be recommended. About, someone's asking if a spouse is unable to say Yizka, um, can, can the, the other spouse say Yizka on, her, on his or her behalf? Um, don't need to because someone is saying Yizka in any case, but um, yeah, if, if she's asking you to do it or if you think it's going to give her Nachas Ruach, there's no harm in saying another Yizka. Someone is asking, does Yizka have to be said in Shul? And the answer is, you mustn't tell this to the, uh, to the honorary officers of the United Synagogue, but Yizka does, can be said at home also. It doesn't need a minion, and Baruch Hashem, there are many minyonim where most of the minion go out, and there's only a handful of people who say Yiska. Yiska doesn't need to have a minion, but in, in, in the Grace in Shuls, in the big synagogues, the Yiska is a very big court, uh, and there's a whole Seder, uh, so people don't want to miss out. <sighs> yeah, so when you say you have to be in a Shul to be able to go out for Yiska. Very good. Let's move on to um, a question which came, someone asked me this week. He's quite a very active in Mifzat Tefillin. 
and he had put down the tefillin on the, on the table or whatever. And as he was walking around the room, he, he slipped, he tripped over the, the strap of the tefillin and it fell on the floor. So now in Shuchan Aruch, this is the Alter Rebbe's Shuchan Aruch and Simen Memdalet from the Mogan Avram there, it's a custom to fast if the tefillin fell to the ground. If tefillin fell to the ground without a cover, it's customary to fast. And then he talks about the Sefer Torah, which we're not going to discuss now. So but talks about fast. So now the person asks, is there a difference between tefillin shalyad and tefillin shalrosh? So, yeah, the Ebrister helped. There is a, such a, as I, I have a Sefer called Shulchan Malochim. In that, there's a section called Halacha Lamoshe. He there quotes a sefer called Tov Ches, which I understood to be Torah Chaim, who says there's a difference between Shalyad and Shalrosh. Others disagree, and I looked up the Torah Chaim, I couldn't even find it there, and I don't see absolutely any Svara. I don't see any difference, whether it's a Shalyad or Shalrosh, it's the same parishes inside, and so, although this has got a Shin, this doesn't have a Shin, but it doesn't seem to be anything, any mention here about a difference between Shalyad and Shalrosh. So one would have to fast. But then to mitigate things. So here we have a tshuva from Rav Vosner, Zichon Levrocha, and Shevet HaLevi, where he talks about a sometimes a soifer. You know, uh, it's all very well, person who wears tefillin only by Davni, and then he puts them away in his locker or whatever and uh, goes to work. But a soifer is working a whole day um, with tefillin, and inevitably sometimes an accident will happen at work. Does he have to fast? Or can he be poider? So Rav Vosner said, that that which it has the chumrits in Simen Mem, and Al-Tarebbe Simen Mem Dal, it doesn't matter, that there's an union of fasting of tefillin full without a cover. That doesn't apply to a soifer who is working with tefillin, and it were, they fell in the processes of his work. Although, of course, he should be careful, for sure, for a soifer pidyon to redeem the fast, that would be enough. And he says the pidyon would be the amount it would cost for a day's uh, the food for a day. So I feel that we can certainly extend the uh, heter or the the, the, uh, the lenient ruling of the Rav Vosner also to a person's active mifsat filin, and therefore um, to say that yes, in principle there should be fasting, but biyotze. You can you could be pointed the fast by giving an amount for stocker. How much does it cost for food for a day? Well, it depends. But probably probably about five pounds would be uh, for many people would be more than how much their food for a day uh, costs. Let's move on. Now we, we, we're reaching it's near Shavuos, and I'm getting lots of shyness about people want to bring sifre for um, for making. Uh, for for, for uh, Sarah Sadibris, the children should hear Sarah Sadibris. Uh, I want to make a little plug. I, I put out a safe in Nesivim Mestea Shlichus, volume three, and it has there a, 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 a chapter on the Aser Sadibris, and it's got 10, 10 paragraphs. So my joke is it's Aser Sadibris about Aser Sadibris. Uh, and so talking about the various Shilas which come up. So someone suggested, he said he'd read in the Sefer, that if the Sefer Torah is inside an Oren, then it's okay to transport it. Bichal, we are very, very, um, uh, the word cagey is the right word, but very anxious about moving a Sefer Torah in the public. We're very, it's something in which anyone who's read the Zohar 
and towards the end of the minor lotion, there's a strong, strong uh, apprehension to, uh, not to carry a sefatoira freely. People should come to the sefatoira rather than taking the sefatoira to them. That's the general principle. And so people have asked me about taking a sefatoira to a park. I felt to carry a sefatoira through the street on Yom Tov, even with a cover, it's, it doesn't seem right. Bring people to the sefatoira. Even if you have a, a grounds, take it out to the garden of a house is one thing, but to take it out to a public park, marching through the street, I felt uncomfortable about this. But meanwhile, here we have, um, so someone had come up with this idea that if the sefatoira is in an oran, it's okay to, um, to move it around freely. So they wish to help that I couldn't find that heter, but here's a interesting tshuva from Igris Moshe. It's Chelek Yeridea, volume two, number Simen Sadik Aluf. And here's a story about a kehila who have a hall and they want to multi, a multi-purpose hall. So what they want to do is to have a, a mechanism that when they want to use their hall for other things, so then the Sifatoyre, the whole Oren Kodesh will go down into a, into a pit, be lowered down by pressing a button and the Ankhodesh will be out of the way and then they'll have an open dance floor and so Ramosha says also he says you know even for Kriya Satoira we are very concerned about schlepping a Sefatoira to a house talks about in Shukhanorach about bringing it to a prison that a person said he could bring Kriya Satoira so we're very concerned about this and then in line of Ramosha, Oposhut Sha'af Im Ho'oren Oselahavi. It goes out of the, it's, it's Oposhut, that no difference schlepping in a Sefetoira alone or schlepping with the Oren. I think where the person was coming from was a mistake. There is a thing when you bring a Sefetoira to another place, if there is an Oren Kodesh in the second place, then there's a, an honorable place to put it. That allows you more to bring the Sefetoira to a, a second location, if there's an Oren Kodesh there. But carting the Oren Kodesh through the street doesn't take away from the question of schlepping around a sefer and for sure in this case because they want to have a bigger dance floor the Moshe doesn't doesn't go along with that at all um okay let's go to our last thing on our, our list and that is about the snap tzitzis now i was wondered before talking about the snap tzitzis i see the garment which we have here is made of some kind of, uh, it's not a, a cotton, some kind of nylon, it looks like, a bit of breathable nylon. I'm not so sure how muhudir it is. Bichal chsidim are particular to wear, to wear um, a, a woolen talus cotton. And um, well, this is not Lubavitcher tzitzis in any case, the way it's been put on, yeah? But the tzitzis are made up of two main parts. You've got the part which is tightly wound and that is called gadil. And then we've got the part which is the loose strings, and that's called pasil. So you've got two parts. Now, there is a halocha in Gomorrah that if the threads of the sitzis snap, if it's left kadeyaniva, enough, if the thread has got a little bit enough to be able to make a loop, then if it's a minority of the threads, then the tzitzis is still kosher. Now, the question is, is does that shiuk deaniva, is that meaning referred to the loose threads beyond the last knot, or is that true even when inside the, the gdil, the braided part of the tzitzit? So let's read this in Shukhanaruch. This is Alter Rebbe Shukhanaruch Simen Yud Bey, Sivov, 
when we have a din of kadeya niva, that, that in order for the tzitzis to be still kosher, there must be left remaining the amount to be able to make a loop. Yes, oimrim. There are those who say the braided part has to be completely intact. And from the part which is branching out, the loose threads, that's where there should be a kadeaniva that needs to be three centimeters, whatever the shear is. Yes, and there are those who say no, even if even if it snapped inside the braided part. I'm not sure how you read that, translate it exactly. He's suggesting that if you have Kdeya Nivo, even inside the braid is also okay. The general meaning is to require Kdeya Nivo beyond the last knot. So in other words, the branching out loose threads, that's where you have to have Kdeyanibo, and therefore, if it snaps inside the braided area, as you can see on the picture, that would not be okay. I, would, I want to share with you, just recently, as I was walking through Shul, my tzitzis got caught in, my tzitzis of my talus, got caught in the tubular frame of a chair, and the thread, you know, the Chabad talus, You've got a, a, an extra string, an extra little hole where the shamas goes through before it goes braiding around the whole tzitzis. So it got snapped over there. So it got snapped over there. So I had to uh, undo that tzitzis and, and, and redo it again. So that, and the, this is the Alter Rebbein Shechonoruch brings both opinions. In the Siddur, he says the same halochas, but there is very clear that if it's snapped, if there's a tzitzis snapped within the braided area, then the, that tzitzis is not valid and you're going to have to uh, replace them before using it. Okay, that's uh, it for tonight. And I wish you all a guten Shabbos. And we should hear Basura's Tavis from one another, Tomit Kawayomi. Call to.